to The Global Campus, a podcast by the Center for Humanitarian Engagement at Walla Walla University. My name is Chad Nelson, and I'll be hosting the discussion we have here with the goal of engaging and inspiring our campus family while we're apart from each other during this COVID-19 pandemic. If you have suggestions for people or material you would like to hear in this space, please email che at wallawalla.edu. Welcome back to the podcast. Chad here. Thank you for joining us. us. And if you are listening to this now, you know that we are up on Spotify, up and going, and will soon be on other platforms as well. Thank you again for tuning in to the global campus. Today we have another exciting person to talk about as a really interesting story. So uh, Miranda, thank you for joining us. This is uh, Miranda Oss. And uh, where are you talking to us from? I am talking to you uh, from Sandpoint, Idaho, up in the mountains near Lake Ponderay. Okay. Is it, a, is it a nice day up there? It's pretty nice here in College Place today. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, cloudy today, but we've got some blue skies coming through, which is kind of nice. Still a little chilly. A little bit different weather than where, where you've been for the past couple, almost the past year. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So uh, I would like to talk to you a little bit. Uh, Tell us what your major is and what your standing is at Walla Walla, what your involvement has been here. Okay, yeah. So I uh, major in math, French, and art. No minors. So (laughs) with three majors, it's taken me quite a while. So this is actually my fifth year at Walla Walla. So I guess at this point, I'm a super senior. I can relate, but still, I don't have three majors. That is really (laughs) impressive, and you're really covering a lot of material there. Good for you. So um, I am going to ask you a couple questions here to get to know or to get so that our listeners can get to know you. First question is, if you could be any animal, what would it be? (laughs) I guess a lot of people would guess this right off the bat, but I would be a horse. Is that your favorite animal? I it know you like animals animal. a lot. Yes, I do. And it, it is hard to kind of pick a favorite, but um, I've actually never been able to have a horse either. But I've always felt kind of this really cool connection to them and just the freedom that they have. And they, they only choose to be uh, kind of uh, controlled by the people who they let control them because of their... Uh, big personalities and their desire for freedom and excitement. (laughs) Very nice. What is your dream job? My dream job would be to uh, live on a ranch. (laughs) I've actually been working on this dream of mine to run a rescue therapy ranch where I save animals um, that have come from abusive Uh, situations and then have people come to the ranch to help work the gardens to work with the animals and do different therapy programs to help their like mental struggles or um, physical struggles stuff like that do you prefer talking to people or texting definitely talking but I am one who likes to stay in contact with people a lot and when I get bored 
I would rather text somebody than be on a social platform. Okay. All right. Um, how long does it take you to get ready when, when you're here on campus, how long does it take you to get ready for the day? Mm, that depends on how strict I am with my routine. Um, on days where I'm just getting tired, that can take anywhere to five to 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's but, not bad. Yeah. I mean, I have days though, when I have my routine set in better and I'm going through my worship and there are days when I take two to three hours to get ready. So. All right. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any fun nicknames that, that people have called you throughout the years? Oh man. <laughs> Most of them have come from my family. Um, okay. yeah. So my brothers have called me Murr since I was little. And so that's a family name. And, um, if, some people know me from my childhood. If you called me Murr and you weren't part of my family, <laughs> that, that those were fighting words. <laughs> but um, recently, uh, actually, one of my art professors, Matt, has um, given me the nickname Mouse, which comes from a mispronunciation of my last name, Ost, Aus. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of a fun one. All right. Well, let's get into what we're going to talk about Uh Super excited to have you here because I haven't gotten to hear from you about your experience. So tell us, what were you doing for the last year or last, uh, was it eight or nine months? Yeah, it was about seven to eight months, I believe. So I was in um, Bere, Chad, in Africa, kind of the central Africa. And I was working as um, a student missionary at the hospital, but I didn't really have a very specific job title, which actually for me is kind of nice because I like to kind of just jump around and do all sorts of things. So in the beginning, I ended up doing a lot of translating for um, visiting doctors and nurses and actually ended up in the uh, operation room translating for an anesthesiologist guest to the uh, the assistant nurse in there and she wanted to do all of this uh, teaching to him. So I had to figure out how to quickly translate all of these high, high uh, education terms in English to French. And that was kind of a fun challenge, but wow. so you're going between the, English and French. Yeah. yeah. So um, they speak English. Well, they, the main workers there, the SMs and the, um, missionaries speak English and whoever comes typically speak English, but the most of the, um, locals speak French as well as their local dialects, which there's between tens to hundreds of them. <laughs> wow. Based so, on the, based on the village and the, the region, right? Exactly. All the surrounding areas and the hospital brings together a lot of different tribes and different things like that. So right. it's kind of cool. And just real quick, before we continue, I, I know that you speak really good French. How did you, how did you pick that up? So, yeah, so I started in high school, actually. I went to public school here in Sandpoint and um, I didn't want to learn Spanish. <laughs> so the other options were limited. So I chose French because I thought that was kind of a cool language. And then I, uh, Decided on Walla Walla partly because of its art um, department and the the fact that they still taught French. A lot of our universities don't teach French. And so that was a big decision in going to Walla Walla. And it was Jean-Paul who told me I needed to go to France mm -hmm. and become a French major. And, and he's actually a Frenchman. 
Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he, there's not really much fighting with Jean Paul. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I spent 10 and a half months in France, uh, the year before this last one. And so I, uh, spent a year back at Walla Walla and that's where I kind of decided I think I need to use this skill now and that's how I ended up in Beret with my friend Sarah who was my first roommate in France. Wow. So uh, you did a lot of learning over there in Europe and it paid off when you were in Africa and uh, you have I've seen your blog you have tons of really interesting stories a lot of a lot of wild stuff happened over there. Could you just tell our listeners real quick about your blog and where they could read more about your experience? Yeah, so I actually uh, started a blog when I left, not knowing how many times I would write. And I ended up writing every day while I was gone, pretty much. Sometimes I collected a few days together, um, which actually I feel like helped keep my family and church members kind of up to date. So I didn't feel like I have to tell everybody everything and that would have taken a lot of time in itself so if you guys want to check out those stories definitely head over to frenchroseadventures.wordpress.com okay frenchroseadventures.wordpress.com and i think you can get get to it from your facebook as well yeah facebook and instagram very nice great so Let's uh, let's talk about your last couple weeks in Chad because I I heard that you were over there. You're trying to get back to the U.S. Uh, when the COVID nineteen pandemic started picking up, you weren't able to originally, and also you even started your Walla Walla classes while you were still <laughs> in Chad. Yeah, it was a wild ride. <laughs> so I had been originally planning when I left to stay until June 1st. And so uh, I changed my mind around February to head out a little earlier with my friend Annie. So about the end of April, I was planning on coming back. And uh, my family didn't know about that except for my mom and my dad. So I started to plan these like um, surprise interactions for when I arrived back home and I was getting all hyped about it. And then there started to be these like notifications about, um, this coronavirus. I hadn't even actually heard of it or known anything. And it was, um, my friend Annie, the other SM with me who, uh, said something about coronavirus. And I was like, wait, 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 what is that? <laughs> and, uh, then I, everything happened so fast. It's crazy. Um, so my, um, the missions coordinator, Brittany, contacted me um, at first to ask if I wanted to come back. And our original thinking was, no, it's, it's fine. We're, we're not heavily impacted here. Um, we, we think it's probably better to stay here than be in the um, heavy fire of it <laughs> back in the United States where it's really bad. Um, and then it was like, I don't know, maybe a week later or something, it all of a sudden felt like everything was changing so fast. Um, they shut down all of the schools, all of the churches, um, the domestic travel, international travel was all of a sudden all shut down. Um, my, like my main supportive missionary family, like ended up leaving a lot earlier than we expected. We thought we would be leaving before them. And so that felt like my whole emotional support system had been torn away from me. And then it was just Annie and I kind of clinging to each other, like, what do we do now? Um, and that's when Brittany contacted me again. And she's like, 
um, because of this level four international, you know, the travel, um, we want, yeah, we want to bring you home, um, if it's at all possible. So we want you to try and contact the embassy. I just remember starting to shake. I was like, I don't, I don't want to call the embassy. That sounds like really intense, right? Like that, that sounds like really drastic measures. And so I, I did, um, it was, actually right before Sabbath that I was talking to her and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to set this aside and wait until sundown after Sabbath the next day. And so we did. And as soon as it turned Sabbath, Annie and I got together and we're like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> and we called the embassy and we learned that the next day, actually, they were going to have a meeting um, determining what um, they could do for us. And that was the last day that we could have gotten on the list for information. And so that was like, okay, God, um, this has to be some sort of sign. And so we did that. We put in our information, and then it was just a waiting game. It's like, okay, now we just have to wait to hear. Um, and so it was a week later again that um, I we were essentially just kind of come to the feeling, well, we're probably just going to stay here for a while, I guess. And then Annie comes running in while I'm cleaning one of the guest houses and she's like out of breath and like, it's happening. (laughs) And so that was like panic all of a sudden. And the like, I just remember I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. And I'm just like, okay, we need like, I I don't know what to do. My stuff is like kind of packed up. Like we started running around and like three hours after that, we had all of our stuff packed up. We had to figure out a way to get to the capital, so we borrowed the um, land cruiser and paid uh, one of the drivers to drive us to the capital. Ten hours later, on a very, very bumpy road, we got an email saying that the flight wasn't going to be leaving the next day like we thought it would be. So this was a flight that was just to, to get American citizens out of Chad? Yeah. Okay. So the, the airport had been closed at this point because of the international travel warning and everything. And um, so this is specific work on the embassy for a repatriation flight. We didn't know if we were going to get one because we had heard so much, like, so much about so many U.S. citizens stuck in different places around the world. So um, that's why we had thought we would just be kind of stuck there. Um, so we get to the Capitol and then we don't have a flight and we're just stuck again. And I feel like that was probably the hardest part because I had been kind of torn away from everything very quickly. quickly. Yeah. And just stuck in the middle of this city. And then we, we did have, um, an Adventist dentist family to stay with. And so that was really nice. Although then I was the outlier because they all spoke Spanish. (laughs) So that's when I really wish I had spoken Spanish, (laughs) but yeah. So, and real quick, just for a little context, I have been to the Bede Adventist hospital. And when Miranda's talking about driving back to, to N'Djamena, the capital to fly back to the United States, it is a it is an extremely remote location. So it takes about a two hour drive on a amazingly uh, ruddy and pothole dirt road through, through miles and miles of just isolated bushland. And then you finally get to the main road. And then from there, it's like another, 
eight to 10 hour drive on one of the only paved roads in the country through a bunch of military checkpoints and bumpy sections. And it's usually really hot. So super, super long journey. And, um, I, I could imagine that yeah. <laughs> you know, what getting, getting to the Capitol after all of that, and then them saying that the flight wasn't going would have been, a uh, an interesting situation. Yeah. I mean, this, this ride was very interesting. It was like going from 90 miles per hour to 20 as you like come to a flying stop and there's this gaping pothole across the entire road. <laughs> so it's been, it was a very interesting ride and my butt was very sore by the end of it. And then just, it was, yeah, I mean, we felt trapped then. And I had been in contact with the university because I was in the process of coming home and I had been told that um, I was trying to get back into classes since they were online for the first while and I was like well I'll probably get back by the time face-to-face classes restart and I got shut down and then I asked again and um, at that point I was at the Capitol and she's like, well, now that you're away from your missions post and we're not sure if you're going to get back in time for face-to-face classes, I don't think you can join either. I was like, wait, like, I, I need something to kind of help carry this over. Like I was really hoping to help defer my loans and all this sort of stuff. So like, I, I mean, I can still work on my art projects that I've been working on for the mission if that'll like help kind of carry on the student missions thing, or I can like study the the homework and then um, in case I can get back or just, and so it was like really kind of this unknown, like they wouldn't let me do anything and it was really frustrating. And so they finally like talked with the whole academic records and they're like, okay, so you can go ahead and start your classes. And if you just can't get back by the time we start face-to-face, then you can petition for a refund. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take my chances then. So I started taking classes and (laughs) I uh, would do my homework all morning. And then my classes were at like 7 to 8 p.m. And then that's like really late African time. So we'd go to bed practically right after that because the sun sets pretty much at 6 o'clock every day. Um, And it was so hot. We were sleeping on the roof of the dentist's house uh, every night because the heat, it wouldn't get below 90 degrees at night. And it was just, yeah, it was intense heat getting up to 116 during the day. Starting yeah. in like at the end of, you know, end of January and February, it starts getting like over a hundred every day until yeah, like definitely later in the year. Wow. Okay. So you started taking your classes online. I'm really glad they got it worked out for you to do that. How long were you, how, yeah, how long did you take classes um, from Walla Walla University online in in Jemina before you came back? I think it was about a week. I don't think it was too much longer than that. It might've been two. I think it was a full week. And then the second week was my travel home. Right. So, and your, your story was one of my inspirations to name this podcast, the global campus, because this is, we're in unprecedented times and everybody, (laughs) everybody, a lot of people are still in the United States, but we have Walla Walla university students around the world. And so I thought that it would be relevant to, uh, in an effort to, to connect us all from where we are, um, 
you know, to call it the global campus because Walla Walla University is right now a global campus and, you know, you were taking yeah. classes from pretty much halfway around the world. <laughs> yeah. So tell us then about uh, when did when did the flight come in eventually and how were you able to get back? Yeah, so, okay, so we got the information for, and like, okay, so we got a couple notifications of possible flights and then each one just kept like running into troubles the Chadian government wouldn't allow them to come in we just kept running into all sorts of issues so it was like hope after hope that just got shot down and we're like how long are we gonna have to be here it was very unknown and then all of a sudden um we had one flight that started working out and they're like okay be ready and be ready to not bring much because um this is going to be a very full flight so um, it was probably about uh, a week after we got the information about the flight that we were headed to the airport. And um, I just remember like being so excited and also like the not knowing what was ahead. Like, I, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know if I'm going to get um, stuck somewhere, have to be quarantined somewhere not at home all this information that I didn't have access to so we got to the airport we got on the flight everything was going smoothly it was so nice to be around people with American accents and just like a whole community where you felt like everybody was kind of together in it I didn't feel worried about my security or anything and it was actually Annie's birthday too <laughs> so it was a memorable birthday for her I'm sure um, but it was interesting. We were planning on getting into Washington, D.C. about eight or nine at night, and we got pulled out of the sky um, before we left Africa. The TSA um, called to the airplane and said we weren't cleared to land in D.C., so we needed to come down for another security check. Uh, says, <laughs> well, Jemena isn't known for their security, so right. yeah. Um, so we had to get everybody off the plane with all of our stuff and we were all filed through one security check in an airport in Africa with no air conditioning. <laughs> and so hours later, we're all back on the flight and we're ready to take off. And our new estimated arrival of time is like two or three, three in the morning, somewhere around there. And I just remember being so exhausted and so ready to get off the plane and like see people. And so um, my friend Carl was going to meet me at the airport in DC. And I was like, I don't know if he knows that I'm not going to like arrive in time. And uh, thankfully I had shot the information of the flight over to my mom right before we took off. And so she saw that we landed in Togo and she's like, I don't know what's going on, but she's not landing on time. So she had communicated with him. And um, meanwhile, my connecting flight for the next day had been changed to kind of like upping the time. So it was leaving at 9 a.m. instead of 11 a.m. And I didn't know that until I arrived. And so it was all this crazy information. But um, I did have a little reprieve. I got to go to his house and take a shower and eat some good American soups. <laughs> that was great. Um, and then we... Um, his mom took me back to the Baltimore airport. And from there on, it was easy sailing. Got home, got to see my mom. My dad has been quarantining from us and that'll continue for about a week again, but it's been good to be home too. Wow, I'm really glad that you 
made it back well with all these big changes in the world. How would you say the COVID-19 pandemic has changed your life or the life of your family? Well, it's been interesting. (laughs) That's for sure. I uh, have missed out on reconnecting with my entire family, even my dad, just the fact that he has to stay at a distance for a while. And like, I haven't seen my brothers since I've been back. Um, My grandparents are terribly (laughs) um, cranky about staying at home all the time. Um, And it's just, it feels weird to come back and then just be like completely isolated. Uh, It's been nice though to be home home because we do live in the mountains. So there is opportunity to get out and enjoy the space, but yeah, it's still hard. Right. Difficult times. What, what have you been thinking about recently? Has uh, having more time to yourself made you think about life differently? I feel like I was kind of prepared for this, honestly, from Africa. Um, If I would have come straight from Walla Walla, I would be, I I don't know how I would be reacting, but I would not be as comfortable as I am right now. But you've been in a a sort of isolation in Africa because you've only uh, had limited contact with people from your culture. Yeah, it's a small community there, and it's very much like just a kind of small, isolated family there anyways. And so I I feel like I haven't necessarily had too much of a change there. So that's kind of nice. I feel like I was mentally prepared for this situation. Right. So uh, do you have any books that you recommend? Anything that's kept you entertained? Oh, I was reading one really good book I found in the SM Hut called uh, Servant God, the uh, I think it's the conflict, uh, the universal conflict or something. Yeah, it's called The Servant God anyways. And it one of it's partly written by Alden Thompson, one of our professors at Walla Walla. And so that's what actually intrigued me to pick it up. And it's really good. It just kind of brings the the fact of God's loving character to life and how it's been kind of misconstrued by the devil and the entire ageless conflict between God and the devil and um, how that's kind of coming to a, to a close and how that's working out for our good. So that was a really good book. All right. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, the, yeah. The servant God. I forget the subtitle, but yeah. Thank you for that. So the last thing I just want to talk about, what encouragement do you have to offer to your fellow Walla Walla University students like myself? Hmm. Um, I guess just that, you know, we're, we're all in this situation. We're all going through different struggles. Um, and the best thing is probably to reach out to each other. And I know it's really hard because we can't do it in person and I want so much to just like meet my friends at a at a coffee shop and enjoy a conversation over a cup of tea. But I mean we'll we'll get back to those days hopefully in time. Right. Yeah. Right. And we gotta remember that we can't just ignore the fact that things have changed and you know it's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be a little bit down, uh, to grieve about it. Yeah, definitely. 
but, but just be willing to reach out to each other. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Right. And as, as my grandpa was telling me the other day on the phone, he said, Hey, don't say that we're socially distant. We're physically distant, but we're socially together. And so we hey, need to yeah. watch out for each other. I like that. And, um, you know, when we're walking down the street, I go on some, some walks just to get some fresh air. And, you know, if you see a person across the street, it's still okay to say hello to them and share a smile. <laughs> yeah. The waves are definitely distant. <laughs> they <Right>. work. <laughs> All right. Well, Miranda, thank you so much for talking with me today, sharing your story. It, I can imagine it was just a, a wild adventure full of so many uncertainties, but I'm glad that you made it back safely. And I would recommend that people go check out your blog. There are many interesting stories. You could probably put that together into a book. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been thinking about that. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, have a good week and keep uh, studying hard for those online classes like I am. <laughs> and um, guys, please uh, follow our playlist on Spotify It'll soon be up on other platforms such as Apple Music. Please share it. We are always looking for suggestions and for new people to talk to on the show. We want to get a diverse group of students and faculty and staff to speak. So uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Global Campus Podcast. We hope that you feel connected to our campus family through listening to shared experiences. Please share with friends and family. Your feedback is appreciated. Most importantly, let's encourage each other to look for ways to relieve the pain of this hurting world. Until next time.